All right. Let's jump right in here. Um, we are in a series called Asking for a Friend. We have two questions left. Today is question number eight. Super excited about this question. We are answering the question, how, you know, y'all know Thanksgiving is coming, right? Is that, is that a newsflash? I thought I'd get a lot more amens from the turkey lovers in the house. Um, so this morning we're answering the question, how can I be thankful when bad things happen? Okay, so how can I be thankful when bad things happen? Um, can, can we just, and then next week, let me get, give you a quick plug. This is a very long, this is my working title for the sermon next week. How can I be godly when people make me feel like the devil? Okay, so um, won't that be fun? Everybody's like, I'm coming to that one, and I'm bringing all the people that make me feel like a devil, right, to that one. Um, that'll be about relationships. Now, that's, that's going to be a teaser. Um, I'm giving you all kinds of teasers right now. So the first series of, our, of the new year is going to be called Shipwrecked, and it's going to be how we can keep from um, sinking our relationships, right? Because um, do you remember a couple months ago we did a series called Kingdom Come? You're like, just get into the message. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. So um, I had you all fill out forms, and it said, um, you, I'm praying for your kingdom to come. And, like, you put a blank in there, like, where you'd like to see his kingdom come the most. You would probably not be amazed, but, like, of all the slips that were put on this, on this, we prayed over all of them. And we would go through them in staff and, and, like, eat lunch and pray, eat lunch and pray. And, I mean, probably about 50%. It was, it was a high percentage were about relationships, um, which we can all relate to that, can't we? Because there are jerks everywhere. Have you noticed that? And we're not them. I mean, oh, well, we probably are. Everywhere I go, there's a jerk because I'm, I'm there. So anyway, next week, it's not what you should say before you preach with power and confidence, is it? Um, so next week, how can I be godly when people make me feel like the devil? Okay, so bring back all your friends and enemies to that one. It would be good. But this morning, um, how can I be thankful when bad things happen. So I want to just start this by saying that we need to be at least aware that Thanksgiving, while a lot of us are going to get together and we're going to eat and we're going to be super excited about the food and it's a great holiday, it's a family holiday, the whole thing, there are a number of people that Thanksgiving's a hard holiday. And those are cowboy fans. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. It was a joke, Joe. Thanks for giving me grace, Joe. I felt like it was a good joke. Um, there are, it is bittersweet. So this, this holiday season coming up, these are, these are bittersweet moments for a lot of people. Um, people that are, are hurting and grieving during this time. Um, I want to say this. Listen to this statement. The people like that, they don't need to be demonized or marginalized or told to fake it. Now, I think we're good at that, right, as, a, as churches. They need to be loved, surrounded, and supported. And here's how I know because I was one of those people. Now, our church believes passionately that we should be able to be real and authentic, that God loves us just like we are, but he loves us enough to not leave us where we are, right? And so if you're here and, and this is a season that's hard for you, maybe because of things you went through in the past or things you're going through right now, we understand that. We, we're hosting, as a matter of fact, in December, we're hosting a, a, a panel discussion thingamajig, is that what you call them? Um, well, there's a table and four people that are smart that sit behind the table, and they're going to have that here in our church just on how, how to get through the holidays if you're grieving. 
um, because this is hard for some people. So let me, let me just quickly, I'm going to tell you my story. And I, I really wrestle with God over this. Like, do I, do I have to tell my story again? And here's the deal. He gets glory when we tell our stories, right? So this, just so you know that I don't come to this topic lightly. I know a lot of you are big. How many of you, how many of you shop on Black Friday? Let me see your hands. I need to pray for you all. Y'all are crazy. And you're like, no, I'm not. I get deals, right? Um, uh, a few years ago, 2003, so Black Friday took on a whole different meaning for me and my family. Because that Friday after Thanksgiving was the day that my phone rang. And somebody told me, you need to get to the hospital. Your mom just went in an ambulance. That was the day after Thanksgiving. So Black Friday for me, I wasn't a shopper anyway. Black Friday for me means a whole different thing. I never talked to my mom after Thanksgiving. She died December 1st. 20 days later, my brother died. Now, if you know me, you know that story. If you don't know me, I don't come to questions like, how can I be thankful when bad things happen lightly? Because it's hard to be thankful when bad things happen. And if you don't know that, you haven't been through enough bad things. And I wish I could tell you that our story ended with the funeral for my brother on Christmas Eve. But the next year in our family was what we call the Job year. It was, and some of you can relate to it. It's like people in our, they just lost their minds. Like people turned on each other and stopped support. It was just crazy. It's grief, y'all. It's just grief. The end of our year, and we won't go into details about this, but Wendy will verify this. The end of that year, here's how it ended. Standing in a circle in the Christian bookstore when I exercised a demon. And I don't make that up. That really happened. I literally looked at a human and spoke to a spirit behind that human. And they said, what do you want? And I said, I want you out. And they left. Never saw them again. Bad things happen. Now, here's what we're not going to do this morning. I'm not going to answer the question that you want me to answer. Because the question you want me to answer is, why do bad things happen? Good luck with that one. There's a man that wrote a book. You've heard of this book, When Bad Things Happen to Good People. Bestseller. I think it sold over four or five million copies. Do you know what he didn't answer in that book? Why bad things happen to good people. I mean, he tried to, and his answer was, God's not powerful enough to stop it, but that's stupid. I mean, it's okay if you think that. I thought that too, and I'm a pastor, but it's not true. So our, our question this morning is not, why does it happen? Our question this morning is, how can I be thankful when it does happen? Okay, so can I just give you three truths, um, three truths that I think can help us. You already read this verse. I love this. First Thessalonians, Thessalonians 5.18. It says, be thankful in what? All. What was the word? All. I'm sorry, what? All. And guess what? That's not the most important word in the verse. Okay, I shouldn't have said that because obviously the most important word in the verse is Jesus, right? The most important verse for us this morning is not the word all. It's the word in. And this really, this really tripped me up for a while, okay? Because how many, how many of you have heard, um, that, I, I, I bet if I say it, you'll, you'll finish it. God is good and all the time. Can I just make a confession? Are we recording this? That makes me want to throw up. 
I mean, I know that it's true. I know it's true. But there's, like, sometimes I don't feel like God's good. I know he is, but I don't feel like he is. And so I would hear that verse, but you know what I would hear in my head? Be thankful for all things. But does it say that? It says to be thankful in all things. Not for all things. So that, that alone should set some of you free right now. Because some of you are like, well, here I am in church. It's Thanksgiving. My life sucks. And the pastor's going to tell me that God is good all the time. And all the time God is good. But right now I don't think he is. And he's going to tell me to be thankful for that. And I'm going to want to punch him in the face. But I can't because I'm sitting there and he's got the microphone. And I heard that in my head a lot. Be th- just be thankful for it. Just be thankful for it. God never told you to be thankful for crap. He told you to be thankful in all circumstances. So how can we pull that? Wouldn't you like to know how to pull that off? Wouldn't you like to be the person who no matter what's going on in your life, people say, how can you still be thankful? I mean, y'all know that people make movies about people like that. And you pay good money, like 20 bucks, for you and a date to go eat popcorn. You get the refillable popcorn box and you might refill it once because you get so sucked into the movie that you can't leave to go get popcorn. And you're like, if you loved me, you would get more popcorn. And they're like, I love you, but not as much as I'm loving this movie right now, right? Like they, You just get sucked in because the plot is so good because you watch somebody struggle and struggle. And then what do they do at the end? They overcome. And we love those stories. We love stories of people who have been in really bad circumstances and come out the other side thankful. We just don't like it when it's our story and we're going through it. So here, let me give you three truths. Okay, three truths. Here's here's number one. We can be thankful in all things because God is with us in all things. Hebrews 13.5 says this, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. You might have learned this in the NIV. I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. That's the promise of God. He didn't promise it would be easy, right? He just promised that he would be with us. His presence, listen, his presence is a big deal. Let me ask you this question. Is his presence enough? I'm with you. But it's so easy to say yes, isn't it? And then we start to lose everything but him, and we're like, I miss all that other stuff. You have to ask yourself the question, is his presence enough? Exodus chapter 33, verses 15 through 16. Um, We won't read it. I'll just tell you the quick story. God told the Israelites, you can go in the promised land, but I'm not going to go with you. And so Moses said, time out. (laughs) Um, I think you missed something, God. You're supposed to go with us. He said, no, no, you can go in, and and I'll give you all the promises. Everything I said I would give you, it's yours. I'm just not going. Now, the part that I'm, I wasn't going to read you is the part where Moses kind of said, why? And God said, because you're stiff-necked and rebellious, these people. I can't stand them. I'm going to kill them. Yeah, like, so that's not good, right? But at the end, the verses that we're talking about, here's what Moses says. If you don't go with us, I'm not going. Let me ask you this question. Would you be content with all the blessings of God but not the presence of God? Because there's some days when I might, I might be tempted, right? I'll try it, <laughs> you know. But what Moses says, you can, I don't want any of that if I don't have you. 
I mean, that statement, God is with us in all things. He's with us in all things. And because of that, we can be thankful. His presence changes everything. I've used this story before, um, so, but it's, it's just such a great illustration. There were these two, two, two boys. They were taken to a barn, and they were put in two different stalls, and they were given shovels, and inside the stalls were these humongous piles of manure. And so the, the one boy, like the people that are doing the experiment, they came back to check on him, and the one boy was in there like with a shovel, and he's just like kind of shoveling some poop, and he's like, ugh, it just stinks, and I hate it, and he's just in a horrible mood. Then they go to the other stall, and poop is flying everywhere. I mean, like shoveling as fast as you can. It's going everywhere. And they're like, why are you shoveling so fast? And he's like, with all this poop, there's got to be a pony in here somewhere. The presence of God in our circumstances should fill us with hope. Like, I'm going to find God here. I don't like the circumstance, but he's here, and I'm going to find him. Here's number two. We can be thankful in all things because Jesus was faithful in all things. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 7 through 9, this is a passage we probably don't preach enough. While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. Would you agree that what I just read proves that Jesus experienced bad things? Prayers, pleadings, loud cry, tears. Needs to be rescued from death. And God heard him in his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Verse 8, even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. Now, let me just qualify verse 8. Because Jesus was never not perfect, right? He was never disobedient. Like, I had to learn obedience because I was a jerk. I pray for my parents, right? They had a rough job. Jesus, what this really means is he was, he was completed, um, I love how John Piper says it. It says that Jesus had untested obedience, and then he had tested obedience. So that's like me and you saying, oh, no, Wendy, I'll go shop with you on a Saturday when my football team's playing. I can say that and kind of get some husband points for it, but when it's actually Saturday and the game is actually coming on, and she turns to me and says, so remember when you said you would go? And I go, oh, untested obedience tested obedience, right? Like that's the difference. And so what I want you to see is how did Jesus, how did Jesus, how was he made complete? How was his, he made complete? He was made complete in the things that he suffered. Even Jesus, and here's why that's important, because our typical church response is, why is there suffering in the world? And we go, well, because there's sin in the world. Oh, of course, because we're all idiots and we all sinned. But Jesus didn't. And he still suffered so he could be made complete. And why? The next verse. In this way, God qualified him as the perfect high priest. And he became a source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. He was made perfect, complete through suffering so that he would be the perfect, complete Savior. That is such good news, y'all. He was faithful in hard things. And so now I can trust him and be thankful in hard things. What if Jesus had, he had just said, like, I'm out. And, you know, he tried. Y'all do know that, right? Am I messing up your, your theology? Like in the garden, Jesus said to God, if there's any other way, I'm all, I'm all for it. But your will be done, not mine. When Jesus was tested, when he, he was faithful 
when he could have just stepped out. And because of that, we can be thankful. Have you ever talked to somebody about something you're going through and realized halfway th through the conversation that they have no idea what you're talking about? Don't you just want to get out of that conversation as fast as possible and do it, like, nicely? Oh, look at the time, right? <laughs> it's like, I got, oh, there's my bus, and there's no bus, but you just got to get out. Have you noticed that we love to talk to people that can relate to what we're talking about? I mean, you're like that, right? It's not just me. I mean, if I'm going through a financial crisis, I don't want to find somebody who's also in a financial crisis. I want to find somebody who's, like, doing really well. and They've been through a financial crisis, and they're on the other side. And I'm like, okay, so you understand what it's like when I went, like, I pulled out my check, and there was no money. And they're like, oh, yeah, I've been there, but now let me tell you what I did, and here I am now. And I take notes from people like that, right? Please don't test this, okay? If all of you left our church this week... I have some pastors I'd be calling right now who have also been through stuff like that and come out the other side. My point here is we like to talk to people that can relate to us. How much more? A suffering Savior who the Bible says has been tempted like we are in every way yet without sin. He understands us. The Bible says he's able to save us completely because of that. We need to be running to Jesus in hard times because nobody understands us like he does. Number three, we can be thankful in all things because the Holy Spirit is working in all things. Romans 8, 28, I mean, you've, you've probably heard this a million times. Still good, though. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. When I had my first real girlfriend, I gave her a Christmas present one year. I cross-stitched Ziggy. Um, if you are really, really old, you don't know who Ziggy is, but he's like this short, fat, bald cartoon character. And I, I cross-stitched or needle-pointed. Is that the same thing? or Anyway, something artsy. I, I did it, and I pulled, like, stuff through with thread. And anyway, it's a picture of Ziggy holding an umbrella, and, like, hearts were coming down on the umbrella. It was so I would just go, oh. I cross-stitched that for her. I needle-pointed that, or whatever it was I did. And now here's why I say that. The Holy Spirit is working in your life just like that. Like there's stuff that he's pulling in and out and pushing things in, and he's, he's making something. That verse we just read means that everything we face, he's able to pull that in, somehow incorporate that into the fabric, and he's making something. Have you, have you ever seen somebody, I've been a part of this live, where somebody gets on the platform and they, they, they like pick up like charcoal and they start drawing on a piece of, like on a big sheet, and you're just like, what in the world are they doing? It's like there's a dot here and some like bunch of stuff over here, and they're like all, and, and then finally they, it's like they take like one color and just go poof, and you're like, oh, Jesus, right? Like just all makes sense. I've seen that happen. Like you see artists that can do that kind of stuff. That's what the Holy Spirit's doing. He's at work in every part of your life. He's making all things work together for the good that are called, for those that are called according to Christ. I love how he does that. Do I understand it? No. But he's always working. It means that there's a purpose in our pain and that God never wastes any of our pain. Romans 8.28 is a statement of faith looking forward and it's a statement of fact looking back. He will work all things. 
He worked all things. Faith and fact. So the truth of those statements, here's the deal. They're all answers to why. Kind of. Why, why should we be thankful? Well, there's three good reasons why. But you know what they don't answer? They don't answer the how question, right, that I told you I was going to answer. So how can we be thankful? And here's how. Are you ready? Get your pen ready. You're going to love this. How can we be thankful when bad things happen? Anchor your soul in the goodness of God. I wish I could take credit for that. It's so good. But I heard Bill Johnson say it. I never forgot it. Anchor your soul in the goodness of God. We can go back and forth and object and answer, but I hope you know that ultimately this is not a head issue. This is a heart issue. Do we believe that God is good? Or do we believe that if God is good, I should only experience good things? I choose to believe that he's good. Job chose to believe that he was good. Job said something crazy like, even if you slay me, I will still praise you. The goodness of God is more than just an answer to the problem of our suffering. I believe the goodness of God is an anchor to keep us through our suffering. So here's how we're going to wrap this morning up. Let's talk about tires. Can we do that? The other day when it was raining, which is like every day for the last three months, um, Wendy, Wendy took my car to work because I have the best tires, not the best in the world, but the best of our tires, you know, the best set of our cars. And, and I drove her car because she's got a couple tires that, yeah, they're iffy, you know. And so I'm driving um, Sydney to school. It was fun. She might still remember this because we prayed a lot. And um, it was pouring down rain. It was pouring down rain. She's like, Dad, why are you praying in weird tongues? Because I'm about to die. It was just, and we would hit these, like, patches of water. You just kind of do that a little bit. And you're like, focus, 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 focus. Like, every moment we, I mean, I'm driving. I am the 20-mile-an-hour driver now. Like, you know, and people are, like, beeping their horns. I'm just like, I don't want to die. Just, ch just chill. Right? Just chill. And by the way, I'm taking her car tomorrow. We're going to get tires. So just relax, everybody. Okay? Just relax. Um. But here's, God starts speaking to me. And he's like, this is just like the problem of suffering. I'm like, yes, I understand. I'm suffering now. And if we wreck, I'm really going to be suffering, right? He's like, no, 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 no. The road is the goodness of God. The tire is my faith, my life. And the water are the bad things we go through. And here's what God started showing me. If you don't have good tread, you're not going to stay in touch with my goodness. And when the hard times come, you're going to slip and slide all over this thing we call faith. How do you stay thankful when bad things happen? You stay connected to the goodness of God. You anchor his goodness in your soul. When bad things happen in our lives, we hate them. Hate them. But our faith is not shaken. You know why? I've been through bad things before. And he was good. I can take comfort in the purpose of pain even if I don't understand the process of it. So this morning, here's how we're going to end. I've left a little bit of time. We're going to 
hit play on a playlist and we're going to anchor our souls in the goodness of God. Just before, if y'all will get ready for that, just before we do that, let me just answer this question. What does it look like to anchor your soul to God's goodness in real life? Don't you love that? Because, like, we're preachers, right? So we preach all the time. And I'll get, I can get you to say amen. I can get you to nod your head. But at the end of the day, you're going to walk out that door, right? What does it look like in real life? So I'm going to read you a scripture from a book called Lamentations. Now, that sounds like I don't want to do any, any quiet time in a book called Lamentations, right? Like, ugh. And you know who wrote Lamentations? A guy named Lament. No, I'm kidding. That's just a joke. I've seen if you were listening, right? It's a man named Jeremiah. Have you ever heard of him? He also wrote another book called Jeremiah, right? So <laughs> he was also a bullfrog. No, I'm kidding. He really wasn't. I'm just kidding. <laughs> man, I wish y'all could be up here where I am because y'all can't hear Wendy. She's just like, I, I had y'all. It was so godly. And I said bullfrog, and she went, Paul. <laughs> I love it, man. She's like, come on, man, just read the word. Shut up. Just read the Bible. I love it. She's, and you're so right. I should stop talking. <laughs> At least I didn't sing the bullfrog song. I mean, out loud. I was singing up in my head. It was there. Anyway, so back to the Bible, people. Um, do you know that Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet? Do you know that Jeremiah was called to go preach to people, and God told him when you go preach to them, they're not going to listen? He had a sorrowful life. And in this book called Lamentations, right in the middle, we find these words. This is what anchoring your soul to God's goodness looks like in real life. He actually wrote these words. From the New Living Translation, it says this, Lamentations 3, verses 19 through 26. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time. As I grieve over my loss. Can I just say before we continue. If you cannot be honest about where you are. You're going to struggle at the gathering. Because we're going to call you to be honest about where you are. That my friends is honesty in a book that God wrote. This awful time. He didn't go God is good all the time. All the time God's good. And even this, even this awful time. He just, no, I will never forget this awful time. This time has marked my life, and I hate it. Yet, I still dare to hope. When I remember this, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin fresh every morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait patiently and quietly for salvation from the Lord. Can I ask you to close your eyes, bow your head. I'm going to ask you this question. Will you still dare to hope? The sound team is going to play playlist, just a couple songs. The words will be on the screen, and I'm going to call you just to respond to the Lord's Spirit. Will you dare to hope that even in a time that is awful and has marked us and we hate it, yet I still dare to hope?